leading part of Transformed for Ministry. Hallelujah. And today we are going to look at one of the most important personalities in this very subject, Transformed for Ministry. I believe that the greatest example that you and I will ever have when it has to do with an ordinary person being called by God to transform uh, and lead a people, the best example we have in the Bible is Moses. He is the best personality if there's anybody to learn from in terms of leadership where ministry is concerned. You can talk about Paul, but as far as I'm concerned, the best person, an ordinary man that was taken and used by God the most in ministry will be Moses. And uh, we're going to look at the story of Moses' Moses's call. And like we did with uh, Paul, we are going to look at a few principles that we can pick from this story. Exodus chapter 3. I don't know whether to read the story because we, I, I'm sure everybody in this room knows it. But for the sake of protocol, I'm going to read it. Why are you making noise? Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Hallelujah. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, behold, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So the Lord, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near to this place. Take off your, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy. is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And God said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because, they are task- because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hiviites, and the Jebusites. Therefore, I behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come upon me, and I have seen the oppression of which, which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I'll send you to Pharaoh, and that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Uh, 
and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you. This is a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Remember the name of the mountain. Horeb. Right? Don't forget. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the Come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Um, and say this, they will say this to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. There's a scripture in, um, I think, Deuteronomy that says you have stayed on this mountain, I think 6 verse 1, you have stayed on this mountain for too long and turn and aside and go up. Hallelujah. Have you found it? Deuteronomy, I think it's either 6, 1 or 5, 1 says that you have sojourned on this mountain for too long. Ten. Are you looking for it? Those who have proper Bibles, look for me. Amen. So, this is Moses. I'm sure we all know the story. Uh, one one six no not six one one six yeah, the Lord's God the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying you have dealt long enough at this mountain Hallelujah, and it's the same mountain that God visited Moses and said and appeared to him for his call to ministry. And he assured him that the sign that you would know that I called you is that when you get to this place, you will worship the Lord here. Amen. Now, we know uh, Moses' birth story, how he was born and he was sent. uh, The mother put him in a, a, made a basket, a straw basket, put him on the Jordan. And um, he ended up growing up in Pharaoh's house. He was taught to be a prince. And his zeal took him to the place where he actually murdered an Egyptian. And because of that, he was on the run. Hallelujah. And he ran from Egypt to his father-in-law, Jethro's house in the prince of Midian. And um, this guy, the high priest of Midian, and this guy sent him to go and look after sheep. Amen. And he was just minding his own business, looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And he saw this amazing sight where the bush was burning but was not being consumed. And he said, I will look. And then when he looked, God, when God saw that he was looking, God called him and this conversation that we've just read happened. Hallelujah. One thing that I want us to see is that the birth of Moses his upbringing and everything was little pieces of the jigsaw puzzle 
that was being put together by God for the call of his ministry. All of us in this room, our birth, our upbringing, the friends we made, the mistakes we made, the good, um, uh, what do you call it, the good lessons we've learned, is all part of the jigsaw puzzle that God is going to use when he calls you. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Uh, we, for we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and them that are the called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for you. There is a plan for your life. And sometimes the plan doesn't look very, very straightforward. You can't even tell the plan. It is The plan always happens in retrospect. When you look, there's, ah, this and this and this and this. I didn't realize that God was preparing me. Because God knew that to look after three million Jews, it is not a diff- an easy thing. You will have to learn from somewhere. And so he had to take him to the place where he had to learn how to look after sheep. So if you look at that stubborn sheep, one wants to go here, one wants to go there, one, especially in the open field like the wilderness. If you can look after sheep, you can look after people. And somehow God knew that for this guy to actually go through looking after people, he had to go through governance. And to learn governance, where better can you learn governance apart from Pharaoh's house? So he had to orchestrate for him to be in Pharaoh's court, Pharaoh's uh, palace, to learn governance. Because you need governance, you need politics, you need diplomacy to lead people. Hallelujah. All our lives, what we are going through, we don't realize that it is all geared towards ministry. It is geared towards looking after people. You cannot look necessarily piece the pieces together because the pieces don't look like they, they relate. Sheep. Pharaoh's palace. Being a prince. Being a fugitive. On the run. All those things, how can you put those things together to make it make you a leader of three million of God's people? Hallelujah. What we have we've gone through, what we are going through is all part of God's plan. The people we met, the mistakes we made, the good things we learned, the not so good things we learned. All those things is part of God's long-term plan. God is a master jigsaw puzzle builder. Hallelujah. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. And you see, it does, it, it, it's very difficult for you to see it. I'm not, I'm not sure when we're looking at um, uh, Paul's life. The guy was trained in the law. He became a master at the law. He was actually a lawyer. He was very learned. God needed him to be a learned person because he would have to argue against the Jews. How better can you argue against the lawyers if you are not a good lawyer yourself? So God knew that if I use a fisherman to do this work, it won't work. Yes, uh, Peter was not going to be able to argue his, his, uh, his case very well. 
you you see you can't you cannot use you cannot use um, what do you call it uh, 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 Matthew a tax collector you cannot use him to really go and argue his case before Herod you needed somebody who could argue in a very systematic way and make the points stand out and you needed somebody who had actually been a persecutor of the Christians to be the chief propagator of the word of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So it's like everything seems as if it's, there is a method to the madness. Hallelujah. All of us, our lives look scattered. It doesn't look very, very Christianese. It doesn't look Christian-like. But you are the perfect picture of the leader that God is looking for. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You are the perfect picture God is looking for. Why? Because all you've been through puts you in the right place for God to use. Amen. See, God is not an author of confusion. God is not accidental. God is very, very thoughtful and he plans before he starts anything. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. If you look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, the whole of Genesis chapter 1 was an architectural design. Nothing was made in Genesis chapter, chapter 1. Say he formed man. He said, let us make man in our own image and an image of likeness. Let him have dominion. of the Man wasn't formed yet. It was a drawing. Do you understand? Let, let there be light. Let the firmament be separated from the firmament and all that. All that was actually a design, architectural design. So when he had finished chapter one, designing the earth he was going to build, then chapter two he started. Because chapter one, 20, 27, 28, let us make man. If you go to chapter two, one to five, he formed man. So let us make man with a plan. He made man and breath, he breathed into man and man became a living being. Happened in chapter 2. Are you getting what I'm saying? So God is not an accidental type of person. God is a long-term planner. And God has had you in his radar and his mind before the day you were born. I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. Before the day that this particular man, Moses, was born, God had a plan. If you read chapter 1 of Exodus, the Bible says that when there was the decree that all the children should be put to death and everything, and uh, this man took of the wives of the Jews and had um, a baby called Moses, the mother sought to kill the baby but when he looked, when she looked upon the child, the Bible says that she was, he was a goodly child. So actually, the mother would have aborted him. But the way the guy looked, look for that verse for me. He looked upon the child. The child was a goodly child. So he decided, listen, now this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a, a bed of straw and I'm going to leave the child in the, on the river 
and I'll get the sister to look after. How come the sister was looking after and Pharaoh's daughter came to have a bath at the same time that the baby was put in the river? And that same time, the baby cried. Have you got a verse for me? Chapter what? Chapter 2, verse 2. He was a goodly child. The, the King James says he was a fine child, a goodly child. The new King James says he was a beautiful child. The only thing that saved Moses was because he was handsome as a baby. If he wasn't handsome as a baby, obviously, when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. If she wasn't Handsome or beautiful. All I'm trying to let you understand is that everything that has happened in your life has been drawn before it happened. And God knew that run about this time, you'll be sitting where you are sitting. God knew that run about this time, you'll be hearing what you are hearing because he's preparing you for the call. Hallelujah. Because the first principle, we're talking about five, six, maybe seven principles in this little story, and then we'll go home. Is that okay? The first principle I want you to see is that God calls people because there's a task at hand. And the task that is at hand, you are the best person to fulfill it. Why didn't God use Aaron? Aaron was older. He was more eloquent, isn't it? Aaron was in place before Moses was born. If God really wanted somebody from that family, the best person, because even Moses suggested it, that my brother is more eloquent. Why don't you use him? I can't speak. But you see, the task that was at hand, we needed somebody who had been through Pharaoh's school of leadership, which Aaron didn't have. I don't know whether you get what I'm saying. So every task in the ministry is shaped like you. I don't know whether I'm making sense. You are the best person for that task. And you see, before you were formed, he said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's so Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you and I ordained you. Uh, I, I don't know whether I'm convincing you that the task was designed before you came. Amen. The task was, was he said that I, before you were formed, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nation. There was a task that we needed a prophet to fulfill. And so I formed you with that fulfillment of that task at hand. Amen. So the principle, first principle is that there's a task that has your name on it. So when you are put in a place, know that it is not the pastor or the brother that brought you to the church for the pastor to see you for that thing to happen. It's not those jigsaw pastors that formed it. It's God who formed it before you even came. 
All those were little steps in the process to get you to that place. So when you get to that place, don't think that you brought yourself there. Or don't think that that person was the one who brought you. Know that you were brought there by God because God had a task and you are the best person for it. He couldn't use Aaron. He couldn't use the sister. Couldn't use any other person. He needed somebody who had gone through Pharaoh's hands to be trained in Pharaoh's court. And needed somebody who, apart from Pharaoh, now you have to learn spiritual leadership. And the best spiritual leadership to learn is from sheep. Because even God is a shepherd of sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. So God is a shepherd. And shepherd look after sheep. Say, I am the good shepherd. He is a shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is a shepherd. So if he wants you to lead the, the sheep of his pasture, the physical sheep of his pasture, which is, uh, um, what do you call it, Israel, he has to get you to look after physical sheep. If you can master looking after physical sheep, then you add your leadership of people you have learned in Pharaoh's house plus spiritual leadership of sheep, then you are becoming a Moses. Moses. To get to the place where you can do the job. Amen. So verse 1, let's look at verse 1 again. I'm in verse 1. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside. The word that I want you to look at or underline, if you could underline your Bible, is that he led. The ability to lead doesn't start the day you lead people. Amen? The ability to lead starts way back. Start with something that look, doesn't look like people. Hallelujah. And as you master and you're faithful in this, then God tries you with the next one because he had to go through Pharaoh. He was faithful in that. He had to go through the backside of the desert. He was faithful in that. And then so now you have passed the test. Now you can be the one to be used by God. Hallelujah. Are you getting the principle? Apostle Paul said something that I want us to look at. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. He says that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Give me the, the um, message Bible of this. He says, uh, no, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does, no, 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 I'm looking for. My, my message Bible says that he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. I don't know whether you, you got it. See that. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. means that he's doing the work. He needs us to join him in that. Amen. 
the work, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Amen. So God created man before. And sometimes when we get to that position, we feel that we brought ourselves there. So instead of being the one that God is using, we want to do what we want to do. Remember the story in Esther chapter 4 when um, Esther's uncle Mordecai said to Esther, who knows? Verse 14. If you remain silent, completely silent this day, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. What what Mordecai was saying that don't think that everything that happened, you were nowhere. You were a slave girl. Vashti was the queen. The, from a slave to the palace to be a replacement of Vashti, it was never a very probable thing. Uh, do you understand? It was part of a jigsaw that Vashti will be made to be proud and she'll be removed and then you'll be brought and you'll be selected. Don't think that, oh, it is protocol that has brought me here. Don't think that it is beauty contest that has brought me here. Don't think that it's my beauty that, no, 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 no. Are you with me? That is why when you get to a place, it's like, oh, the, the pastor is giving you something to do. Then you are bluffing. No, no, you don't understand. You are behaving like Esther. Who knows whether God brought you for such a time as this to be in this place, to do what you are being asked to do. The day my pastor said to me that, oh, Chris, I think that you can lead, you can pastor the church. I called my pastor crazy. I laughed and I called him crazy. Because me, I despised pastors, number one. I had been in church for a long time, so I knew how church works. You know, I used to be the one who plays the music. As soon as the music finishes, I go outside. I go and stand outside, chat with the boys. And I knew when to slide back in. And then start to play because the pastor is about to run off. Then after that, I go to the next church. I used to play for money. I was a shabu player. So in one Sunday, I can play about three or four different churches. And I, I play for money. There's nothing about staying in church for pastor people. And the day that I get bored, maybe it's raining outside, I can't go outside and I stay in the, in the church. I'll be behind the keyboard and I had a tally, you know, in my, I, like I'm writing notes, but I'm writing the pastor's grammatical errors. So one, two, three, then I cross, 
One, two, three, four, then I cross. So I think yeah, today. <laughs> so I'll go outside and then I'll be checking with the other musicians. Today the guy, <laughs> today the, <laughs> see, I went there, they have L and R in there. So I, e, today the, the, the message didn't work at all. <laughs> yeah, but I, I then the church that did not pay me, the one church that all the churches I used to go to regularly, they paid. This one church, that the, the new church that I was invited to go and play. Me, I finished playing. I was waiting for my money. The pastor made himself very busy. And I was waiting around. This guy, I knew the guy way back. So I didn't even know him as a pastor. I knew him as some guy. So said, Charlie, sort me out and let me go. And I said, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. It was very busy. My time, because I had to go to the next church to go and play. So at a point, I realized that this guy is just, he's a wee guy. <laughs> so I decided to go. And I vowed at this particular church, I'm not coming here again. Because... It was like a new one I was trying to add to my list, but it looked like this guy is not a serious guy. So I decided not to go there again. Then there was this particular lady who, for some reason, took interest in me and who came to my house. I don't know who showed her my house. She would come, negotiate. Sometimes I said, okay, I'll cook for you if you come. I say, I don't want your food. I don't want to come. That particular place, they don't pay. I want to. My time, especially on a Sunday, is not for just being around. Then one day after being on me for so long, I decided, okay, we are going to have a deal. I'll come this once. Then you leave me alone. Say, if you come this once, I promise I'll leave you alone. Then I went. By this time, the, fa- the pastor is not even wanting to look at me. I mean, I'm not wanting to look at his face because me and him were not, because he lied to me as far as I was concerned. So I was here not because of him, but because of that lady. Then I went to play. Then when I finished playing, I go there. In fact, when I was playing, they were trying to sing a song, and the song wasn't working. The choir was here. Musicians were here. And the whole thing was, I was some way. So when I finished, then the pastor came and said, oh, you see this thing, we need you. Can you come and help? I said, this guy, you are not paying. <laughs> it is, I cannot. So I said, okay, I will come and help. Just for this Sunday. This next Saturday, I'm, I'm free, I'll come. So the Saturday I went. The ladies were there. Okay, okay, you play the note. Okay, so sing like this. Then, they say, oh. then the, the, the pastor's sister was the one, the choir director. You know how women are. It's like I was encroaching on her space. So she decided to organize a luta against me. And that is why I stayed. Just so that, because I don't like challenge like that. You know, I, I mean, I was like, I'm, I came to help. What is this animosity and this fighting? 
said, I will say they should sing like that. Then she'll go around and say, no, they should sing that way. I said, no, it's because of your confusion. That's why I'm here. So I ended up, uh, if it's a challenge, then I, I'm in for a challenge. I said, no problem. I stood there. Then I, I said, this choir, I'm going to turn this choir upside down. Then I said, you from today, I'm sucking you from the choir. I said, but you, who are you? <laughs> Come and suck me from my mouth. And it was her house that we're using for choir rehearsal. She was like, I will come to lock the door because I've sucked there from the choir. But I persisted because of that girl and that incident. Then after a while, now the choir has grown. And she's like, I'm telling you, if you have handled difficult people like that, you can handle anything. Very difficult people. Everybody, all the, all the leaders were afraid of my choir. They said, my choir, they're not sheep, they're snakes. <laughs> That's what they used to call them. What I didn't realize, of course, was teaching me how to handle difficult people for ministry. By this time, I stopped playing for different churches. I stopped because the money that I was collecting, I stopped. Just because I wanted to prove to some one girl who didn't matter that you can't bully me here. I, I, no, I don't like. And because of that girl, I stayed in the church. Now I am in charge of the choir. Now I'm in charge of the musicians. And then one day the pastor comes and says that, Chris, I think that you can be a pastor. I laugh at him. You, are you, are you correct? You remember what you did to me? Have you forgotten the money that you never paid? <laughs> All I'm trying to say is that God has, it may come from the the most ridiculous place, but it's all part of the plan. If I hadn't been paid, if I had been paid, I wouldn't have taken them serious. Because everywhere that paid me, I didn't take them serious. Because they didn't pay me. And because Elaine was very persistent in chasing me, and for to get her off my back, I decided that I will come. And because Sheila decided to annoy me, you can't, because he thinks your brother's church and you are, it's your house, so you can, no, 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 not, not today. That is what made me stay there. I stayed in the church. I pastored the church. And I pastored, I, I raised, sorry? I got the wife. <laughs> Those for my message. Let me go. On. All right. All I'm trying to say is that sometimes, us to the, the directions and everywhere that God takes us to bring us to the place where we are, we can't piece it together. But the Bible says in Hosea chapter six, verse four, I think it says that then shall we know if we follow on to know. It becomes clearer and more apparent as we keep going. Are you with me? It, it, it doesn't look, God's leading doesn't look like, oh, okay, he's taking me here so I can see where he's taking. No, 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 no. It's as you follow on, there's ah. So going around playing the music for churches and collecting money, it was all to get my interest and maybe see different places. And then coming to this place, this is the place that I hated the most out of all the churches I went to because they didn't pay me. 
was the place that I respected the most. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why I've never paid a musician and I'll never pay a musician. Some guys came one day. They organized a looter here. <laughs> that they wanted money. I told them, have you seen those two doors? Let the doors not hit you as you are going out. <laughs> they were surprised. Number two, very quickly. God calls people from a place of faithful service. I said to you that it's all little jigsaw puzzles, isn't it? And each time God will try you with faithfulness, will try you with that place of faithfulness. Are you getting it? It is from that place that God will give you. The Bible says that if you are not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you your own? If you are faithful in little, then you'll be faithful in much. Hallelujah. So God calls, look at Moses looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And he was diligent. He never lost any sheep. Are you getting on? He was faithfully looking after the father-in-law's sheep. And that made him a prime candidate for God to use. Sometimes the reason why God doesn't call us is because that little thing that he gave you, you are not faithful in it because you thought it was too small. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. You despised that little place he called you. You know, that little choir he called me to uh, be a director for, it was just a training ground. That was not my stop. Oh, why? So that was me with my, this was the touring choir. So this choir never sang in church on Sunday. We only did concerts. And they were all giraffes. <laughs> Take that picture off. Oh, where did you get these pictures from? So this is, this is 19, 1990. That's Edmund, that is a Jirax, and that is a, um, uh, this guy forgot his, sorry? This was 1994. Somebody's mom was 12. <laughs> Your mother was 12. Jesus. <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> you know, by this time, I stopped playing for money. Now, I am organizing these guys to play because these guys were like my boys that are organized to play for free. Stop showing these type of pictures. But you see, it is from that place of faithful service is where God calls you. Are you with me? For years, I don't know where you got the pictures from. But I suspect Kieran. <laughs> I suspect him. After church, you and I will have some conversation. But you see, it is from the place of faithful service 
Are you with me? The place they put you may be a place that you despise, but stay there faithfully. You think that you are bigger and better than that place, but stay there. Are you with me? I've told you about the story of me having to do all the packing of instruments and everything for years. It's faithful service that makes you a candidate to be used by God. Amen. Abraham was working with his father, Terah. Remember? And when he was called. Elisha was working with the 12 yoke of oxen faithfully when the call came. The disciples, most of them were fishermen working with their father, uh, James and John, sons of Zebedee, uh, Matthew, uh, Andrew, and Simon. They were all fishermen working faithfully, and that was where they were called. Amen. Paul was busy persecuting Christians when he was called. Faithfully persecuting Christians. <laughs> Amen. So, you see, in church, you will be asked to do something. Move from there to something. I remember Pastor Gloria, she was, where did you start? Where did you start? Welcome team. Then from te- welcome to follow up. From follow up to area fellowship leader. From area fellowship leader to Asha of chairs. Because that's the way we're going to start this. Teaching new, new believers school and apologetics. Then from there to Asha. To Asha, to choir director. (laughs) Are you getting it? Yeah, she was. Can you imagine this one in a voice? (laughs) But she faithfully served. Yeah. And you see, so somebody will sit somewhere and feel that, oh, you just have to. Come, be the wife and you become a pastor. It doesn't work like that. It's faithful service in little places. Am I making sense? Little places. They'll give you this place to do. And all these type of jobs, some of them were so tedious. You know, that follow up in the time wasn't easy. You'll be going to visit people in, in the night in corners. Take about four buses to go and locate some one guy somewhere in the corner to go and visit them. But all this is what adds up to the call. Are you getting it? Number three. I'm rushing through it so we can go home. Is that okay? Or you don't like it? Are you learning something? Okay. Number three. God calls you when you are close. Verse two. Moses came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Remember, Horeb is the mountain of God. That is where God appeared. God had appeared there before. Remember? God appeared to his people then. That was when God, he was close. Moses came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, he wasn't particularly going to see God but he was close to the presence of God and he didn't realize that he was there. But he was close. Most of the time, God calls you when you are close. Paul, in his 
persecuting the church. Didn't realize that he was very close to God. I was very, very close. He was negatively by very close to God. Are, are you getting it? And so it was easy. The disciples were close, but they didn't know. Until Jesus, in Luke chapter 5, performed miracle where they are told all night and caught nothing. Jesus comes and he preaches in their boat. After that, he tells them, uh, launch into the deep, and they do, and they catch a, a multitude of fish. And then he says that from today, you will chase men, not fish. They said, depart from us. We are sinful people. But see, that closeness of allowing Jesus into their space, into their, their boat, was what brought about the call that they had. So, just being around in church makes you a prime candidate for the call. I don't know whether I'm making sense. Just being around. So, don't be surprised when God calls you because you are close. Amen? The way you have gone quiet, I don't know whether... (laughs) Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, come up here, and I'll show you things which must take place. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven and open, and one who sat on the throne. Hallelujah. Now, remember, John was in the Isle of Patmos alone. In the presence of God. And that is where he said, come up here. You are close enough. Now come up here. I will show you what to, you need to see. Hallelujah. Uh, as I was in the temple. In the place of God. When King Isaiah died. Isaiah chapter 6. Then he saw the Lord. High and lifted up. And then the Bible says that, and it says that, who will I send and who will go? All the time from chapter 1 to chapter 5, God hasn't said who will I send and who will go. But because of his closeness, he had who will I send and who will go. That made him the prime candidate for God's ministry. Hallelujah. Are you getting it? So if you are not enjoying the closeness intimate relationship with God, that means you are not a candidate for his call as yet. Hallelujah. Don't look for a new adventure as your route towards getting close to God. No, get close to God and that will make you a candidate to be called. Amen. And uh, number number four. God calls through supernatural means and through ordinary means. In Moses' case, he saw the burning bush that was not being consumed. And he said, I will look at this great sight. And in looking at the great sight, God called him. Right? We look at uh, Acts chapter 9 when we're looking at Saul being called. He saw a, 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 a vision of a man with a sword, a flaming sword, 
that said, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It is difficult to kick against the pricks. So that was Saul's conversion. That was Moses' conversion. Then James, John, Andrew, Simon. They were just working. They had finished all toil and I caught nothing. Just normal day. Jesus comes and says that, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That was also a call. He was walking along. They saw a tax collector sitting by the tax office. He says, come, join me. Follow me. There was no miraculous call in it. He was at work. When the man passed by, he says, I'm inviting you to church. And then he came to church. He says, be my disciple. Then he became my disciple. And then he became an apostle. So don't always look for the dramatic. The ordinary is also very powerful. Uh, are you getting what I'm saying? A lot of people want to hear, uh, I was lying in my bed and I heard a still small voice calling me, something, something, something. I said, who are you? He said, I have called you. I am going to make you a great man of God. No, 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 not all the time. Maybe that's somebody else's story. Are you getting it? But God will call and God will use us. Remember that there is a great work and God needs soldiers. So he is calling people even before they are born. So all of us, we are just here, but we are, we are being called. You think you are in a choir to sing. That is just a junction that you joined in. She thought that she was in the follow-up but that was just a junction. The answer was, say, oh, I'm an usher. This is a junction. That is, no, that's not your last stop. Don't stay there. Are you getting it? Don't stay in that place. So ask for me, I'm born keyboard player. Who told you? It's just a junction. Start from there, but graduate from there into where God is ultimately calling you to. Amen. Are we okay? Number five. Verse three and four. I mean, Exodus verse three and four. Exodus chapter three, verse three and four. I don't think I can do a lot more. Hmm? You like the topic? So, Exodus chapter verse 3. Give me 3 3. And the, then Moses said, I am not going to turn aside and look at this great side. Why the bush does not burn? So, when, he, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here, God calls you as you move. God never calls static people. It is in the move that God calls you. It was in the move that God called Abraham. It was in the move that God called David. He was looking after his father's sheep. Remember David? David was going to be a great leader. God needed to teach him how to lead 
people by making him go and lead sheep. When he was leading sheep, he was asked by his father to go and give food to his brothers who were at the war front. And then he went to give food and met the challenge of Goliath. Remember that story? First Samuel 17, there about. 16, 17, there about. And, and that brought him into the palace because when he killed Goliath, the Bible said that day Saul took King Saul took him and would not let him go. So that brought him to the place where, like Moses, he had to learn how to do the protocol of the palace and learn leadership as well as learning leadership of sheep. Do you get it? So it is all part of the call because he was moving. A lot of us, we like to be static. You don't want to do anything. And you expect to be called. You can never be called because you are sitting. God calls movers. He doesn't call people who are sitting. So, you see, as you are moving, don't complain. Hello? I'm too tired. I'm working too hard. No, 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 no. That is where the call, the call comes from. Amen. Am I making sense? Oh, it's too much. Now they're adding too much. I'm stressed. I have my own, my work uh, to do. I have my school and I have now the church is adding more. No, no, no. That is making you a prime candidate for God to call you. He never calls lazy people. God always calls busy people. Check the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God never called a lazy person. Never ever called one lazy person. Never. I've read the Bible. I've never seen any lazy person God called. Remember the man who sat at the well, uh, uh, the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. When he was healed, they left him there. Some of the people, when God, Jesus healed, said, join me or go and tell the people about the great miracle God has done for you. But for that guy, when they healed him, said, you are too lazy. Stay here or go home. God never uses lazy people. Hallelujah. Check the Bible. Everybody, look how busy Elisha was. He was a businessman. He owned a company. He had 12 yoke of oxen that he was working with. Look at the disciples. They were all busy people. There was not one idle person in the, amongst them. Every one of them was doing something. Look at all the prophets. They were all busy people that were used. Because it's in the move that God calls you. Hallelujah. So if you are looking for the next pastor, look for the one who's moving. That's how you see where God is, who the one God is calling. Not busy bodies. Or lazy commentators. You know, some people sit in the church and they are commenting. Remember when we were doing those, uh, what do you call them? We had a name for them. The guys who were always commenting when we were doing, um, what, what? 
we had a name for them. Oh, you people don't. You, you. It was on this same service, Wednesday service. We're talking about the people who stay in the church, the, the dogs. We had a name for them. Beware of dogs. The dogs are never called. Remember this? Remember this? Acts chapter 20. Huh? The damn dogs. Remember? They are never called. They are never called. Yes. From amongst yourself shall ravenous wolves rise up, not sparing the flock. Remember that? They are, not, they are eaters of the flock. They are not shepherds. Amen. So God calls people who are on the move. Push your neighbor and tell them, move. I say, push your neighbor and tell them, move. Be a mover. Don't be a spectator. How many know that there's too much work to do in the house of God? Hello? How many know there's too much work to do here? There's never, see some people say, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like everything's being done. Who told you everything's being done? You come to my office, I'll give you five different things to do today. I'll give you a full-time job. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. That's always going to be the case. Amen. Number Okay, so we are still in verse 4. And God calls him Moses, Moses. Hallelujah. God calls Lily, Lily. When God calls you Lily, Lily, it means he knows you by name. And there's a personal relationship there. Hallelujah. God calls you personally. Never ever think, oh, we are appointed as pastors, seven pastors on a day. So God called us as pastors. No, 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 no. God will call you and call you by name. Moses, Moses, Lily, Lily, Sandra, Sandra. Not, oh, the choir. Now from today, all the choiristers are pastors. Do you know the picture of the guys you saw? Put that picture back. The, the choir, I'll show you. Not this one. Those guys at the back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten are pastors. Two of them are bishops. And I trained them. Some of the girls, I don't know where they are in life, but especially the guys. <laughs> Some of the ladies, I don't know where they are in life. But I can tell you, 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I passed this. Today, as we speak, two of them are bishops. Let's go on. So you see, they, they thought they were called to be singers. But it was from the singing that more was added. The one who has is more given to do. The one who doesn't think they have, even the one they are doing will be taken away from them. Amen. Are we okay? So, remember that it's a personal call. It may sound like the pastor's voice was what he heard. Pastor gave me that job. Pastor is the one who has asked me to go and do. It's not pastor that asked you. It's God. Never see a man. God will definitely use a man to call you. But the real caller is not the man, it's God. See, Pastor Sam sitting here today. I can never stand anywhere and say that I called him to be a pastor. Because if you look at his story from day one to where he's sitting today, obviously, it must be God. That, and God used men on the way. Pass through this man's hand, pass through that man's hand, pass through that man has got here, went back, came back. This it must be God. It can never be any man. So you see, you must never ever take put a man in that place. It's not the man who called me, it's God. So understand that God has called me personally. Because if it's a man, the day the man gets angry, the man can demote you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Am I making sense? So you see, you must know that God is personally involved in your ministry and in what your upbringing. Number seven, the last one for today. God calls willing people. And the Lord said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said what? Here am I. Or here I am. When some people, when God called them, they ran away. Some people entered into a, sh a ship and went down south to Tashish. <laughs> but Moses said, here I am. See, for Jonah, he had to repent in chapter 2 and make himself willing to now be given the same assignment in chapter 3. Chapter 1, he was called. Then he took off to sent to Nineveh, and it went down south to Tarshish. And the whole of chapter 2, he was praying, God, 
I am surrounded by darkness. <laughs> I surrender. Forgive me. I will go now. God said, okay. If you go, the Bible says, the very last verse, there's a, and the whales bept him out exactly in Nineveh. <laughs> now, the, you know, look at the, I tell him, I read Bible in pictures. He's going down south. Which means that he's moving away. Nineveh is not. He's going down south, opposite direction. The, the fish swallows him on the way down south. And the fish goes round and journeys up north. Not to any other place, but exactly where God wanted him to go. And then the fish moves him. Free transportation <laughs> to, to Nineveh. He was deported back. <laughs> And the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah on dry land in Nineveh. Um, the here I am signifies or expresses willingness. Unlike Jonah, he was willing. When God spoke to Saul, he said it's difficult to kick against the pricks. He says that go to the place, the place called the street called Street. I'm going to send somebody to come and pray for you. He was willing. Somebody would have gone with his blindness to the south. Hallelujah. So you see, God will never call you against your will. Never. So my prayer for all of us is that let us be willing. Be willing to be used by God. Listen, God needs you badly to use for his end time army. God needs me. God needs all of us. There is none of us in this room who God has not called you yet. Even your being here tonight to hear what I'm saying is an indication that God has called you. You are not too far. You are not too sinful. You are not too old. You are not too young. You are not too whatever else in between for God to use. If you are here tonight, I am speaking for, uh, with the voice of God that I am called you, says the Spirit of God. Ha hallelujah. And I want you to respond to that call. Can I give you a few benefits? I'm just going to list them and then we go home. Is that okay? Benefits of transformation. See, when God calls you, you need to be transformed in order to be usable. Because God will call you as a raw material. But you need to go through the process of transformation for God to use. Hallelujah. So the benefit of going through that transformation for God to use, number one, when you are transformed, it makes you usable. By God. God cannot use you in your state as you are. 
Do you know that Moses had to go through a transformation? He had to be taught how not to be very, uh, he was faithless. He didn't have faith. He was always looking for excuses. God had to take him through putting his staff down for the staff to turn into a snake, for him to pick the snake, learn how to trust God. He had to go through that transformation. It's not reprocess. Amen. Number two, when you are transformed, it positions you for an effective ministry life. From somebody who was always marking pastor's mistakes and not caring much about pastors, he would have to take me through a transformation to be able to use me. Are you getting it? Number three, transformation makes it easy to fulfill God's purpose. Transformation makes it easy for you to fulfill God's purpose. Number four, transformation makes people appreciate your gift. See, Saul went through transformation to be called Paul for the Christians to appreciate him and his gift. Remember, Ananias had an argument with God over Paul. This guy, <laughs> he's a wee-woo guy. I don't want to go near him. Amen. What number are we on? Transformation evacuates your rotten secret life. Remember, God doesn't call saints. He calls sinners saved by grace. So there's a past that he has to erase. And transformation is the best place where God can erase your past. Amen. Number six. Transformation makes it easy to step into destiny. Numero siete. Transformation. A transformed person travels fast and light in life. Because your old self has too much baggage and makes you lethargic and slow. When you are transformed, you can uh, go faster. Say this, when you are trying to do a marathon with your jeans and your, your overcoat, would you do well? So when you want to go on a marathon, you have to take off your coat, take off and get a running suit, isn't it? Which is lighter. That transformation is what makes you run better and faster. Are you getting it? So your old self, that's why uh, Paul says that take off the old man. Take the jacket of the old man and put on the new so you can travel faster and lighter. Number eight. Transformation enhances your worth and value. 
number nine, a transformed person permits the Holy Spirit to do more in their lives. Obviously, the soul that was persecuting Christians could not be used by the Holy Spirit much. It was after he had been transformed and for three days and three nights he was fasting and communing with the Holy Spirit that he was able to do more. Amen. The last one for today. Leadership always rests on the shoulders of a transformed person. Leadership always rests on the shoulders of a transformed person. So here ends our little discussion. If you have any questions, I will take three or four questions and then we'll go home. Any questions? I think this is a very important uh, discussion. So if you have a question, I think I'll appreciate it. You can ask. Anybody? Somebody? Nobody? No question. Lily, no question. Doc, no question. You're okay. Sally, you normally have questions. Yes. calling you mm. to this place. I think I answered it in uh, Hosea chapter uh, 6 verse 4. Then shall we know if we follow on to know. So the longer you go on the journey, the more it becomes clearer that God has called you. Do you understand? So verse 3 says, let us pursue. Let us pursue. And then verse 4 says, that then shall we know if we follow us. So put verse 3. It says that, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter rain, like the former rain to the earth. Verse 4 says that, verse 3, the King James, yeah. Give me the King James. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. You will know as you follow. So it's in the following that you get to know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because like I said, it's a jigsaw puzzle. It is not clear. It's as you go. There's no way Moses would have known when he was in uh, Pharaoh's house that he had been called to lead. But he followed. There's no way his zeal made him kill and make him a fugitive. He followed. Then he went to his father-in-law's place to hide. His zeal made him. He wasn't thinking about becoming a leader. Are you with me? The leadership is a, is a hindsight benefit. Benefit of hindsight. So, ah, so all this thing that I've been through is what has brought me here. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not like you trying to decipher from the uh, baby... Uh, what do you call it? 
in the being drawn, drawn out of the Jordan, you, you are being born a leader. You will know that. It's as you go on and you look back and you see that, ah, so all these things were leading me to this place. Am I making sense? So you keep following. It will get clearer. Rev, it sounds like you're going to need perseverance for that because God, yes. God's way is high. I mean, 40 years it might take to, you know, understand. I mean, or it might take a day and the revelation comes out. Sweet. Just stay close. How can you differentiate between your desire to do something and the desire is put there by God. It's part of the call. As you are desiring to serve, it's God that put you put it there. And it's part of the, the call. Like I was saying the story, my desire was to prove a girl that I was stronger than her. What I didn't realize was that that was dragging me into what I hadn't planned. Do you understand? I was trying to prove to a girl that I'm stronger than you. In my carnal mind, I wasn't thinking about ministry or anything. I was trying to prove to her. And the proving to her brought me into ministry. Have I answered your question? Yes, but how can you, let's say, your desire for a particular thing cause you to be like, I just want to be where I am. That is the desire that I, I just want to stay at that place because it is what I want to do. I just don't want to move forward. I just want to stay in that place because I desire, that's my passion but, for doing but that But you see, the passion is only to draw you in. Don't stop there. Keep moving. Because when you stop there, then you make yourself a candidate not to be chosen. Do you understand what I'm saying? My desire was, my passion was music. My passion was never to stand behind the pulpit. No, no, no. My passion is just music and leading the choir to sing. That's all. I was not interested in anything else. But as I went on, then I realized that to lead people to sing, you have to lead them in their spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to look after them. To look after them, you have to teach them. To teach them, you have to care for them. To care for them, you have to love them. To love them, you have to go close to them. To go close to them, you have to pastor them. Hence, you are a pastor. Are you getting it? But my passion was music. It had nothing to do with pastoring them. But you can't get people to sing for a long time if you don't pastor them. Or you don't get it. That's how it works. Any other question? Yeah, sometimes we over-spiritualize things. And it makes us, we spookify the call of God. It has nothing to do with any of those things. Take the microphone and close us. I've finished. Just come. come as you are saying. <laughs> no, I was saying that. I was just saying that I think that when it comes to God, and that's why a lot of the points Reverend has given to us, you see that it's centered around we drawing ourselves closer to God and then we also being obedient to go and do this, go and do that, and then moving. So for someone like Charlie saying that, oh, I like it, I do this, it means that you stop moving. Because if you like, let's say, the choir, and they say, go and join, go and do chapel. Do you understand? If you don't take that next step, and your faith, because last week when Reverend was teaching our faithfulness, 
Uh, what were the three things that Paul had? Favor, faithfulness, and faith. And then there was a third F, three Fs. Favor, yes, passion. So what you realize is that in my 20 odd years, one of the things I know is that you just have to follow on. And you have to trust where you are. You have to try because, I mean, at least Reverend, you had been playing. Me, I keep telling you, I don't have gifts. Can't sing. Can't, can't, can't. There's only one thing I know that I know how to do. I can study. But that's more for. <laughs> and remember, do, do you get what I'm saying? But then when you come to me, uh, you, you're in the house of God, and they say, go in. What was I doing? Hi, you're welcome to church. Thank you for visiting. Do you want a cup of tea? Nice. Then, oh, I hope you enjoyed it. Can I give you a call during the week? Then I call, how are you? So then they say, oh, no, actually, you can have a small person. Everything was out of my comfort zone. And I'm not friendly, and I don't like people. Transformation. You see, but it's also having the trust that if Pastor Sam says, or if, if Pastor Michael, if Pastor William says, let me trust. Because you, you don't know, but God is using them to bring out amazing things that are in you. Then said, but when stubbornness said, and said, no, I won't leave the choir. No, I won't leave Ashwin. No, as for me, media. Where is his office there? As for me, by the grace of God, I'm a legend. Computer or nothing. Do, do, do you get I think that sometimes those of us who don't have anything at all, we are even more blessed. Because we can't say computer or nothing. We can't say keyboard or nothing. We can't say free at all. <laughs> you, you know, so I think that the trusting God and trusting the covering that you're under, trusting the shepherd you have. So if Elvis says, Prashan, I think that move from the camera. And I think that when we have meetings, you should lead prayer. You look at him and say, have you heard me pray before? <laughs> you know, but trust. Do you get it? Yes. You can have the pastors here. However, they ended up in Bradford or Manchester or wherever they are. You have to trust God. Do, do you understand? Yes. It doesn't necessarily mean that you end up being a pastor, but God will reveal to you what it is and where it is. Or we don't get it? Because all of us are gifted. If, I, if I, I can pastor, you are gifted. At least you know that you can draw, you can paint, you can sing, you can play. Amen. Okay. Have our questions finished? Tell your neighbor you are called. I don't know what you've been doing all this while you are called. You are called. Rise up onto your feet. 